0: MSW Media. We'd like to thank our new sponsor, Microdose, for supporting the Daily Beans. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com, promo code Daily Beans. It's available nationwide. <laughs>
1: really
2: beans
0: Hello, and welcome to The Daily Beans for Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. Today, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled unanimously that former presidents, especially Donald Trump, do not enjoy absolute immunity. Judge Angoron writes an email asking for input from the parties in the New York Attorney General civil fraud trial about the Weisselberg perjury charge. Jennifer Crumbly has been found guilty on all four counts of involuntary manslaughter. James O'Keefe, former guy from Project Veritas, admits he's full of shit pursuant to a court settlement. Mitch McConnell renegs on the border deal as President Biden puts the blame directly on Trump. Brett Favre has to finish repaying the Mississippi welfare money he stole. A Marine veteran is suing Jack Berkman and Jacob Wool. The House has backed off impeaching Secretary Mayorkas, but then voted anyway and lost. Hakeem Jeffries told the House Democratic Caucus this morning he will vote against the standalone bill to send 17.6 billion dollars in aid to Israel. And a Trump State Department security officer has been arrested for his role in the insurrection. I'm Allison Gill, and I'm Dana Goldberg.
2: Wow, another record news day. <laughs> I mean, my God, but there is some stuff we have been waiting for. So excited about that.
0: Yes, I need to announce I'm going on vacation more often. That seems to
2: work. That <laughs> All it was was the tease, the threat of you leaving the show. Okay, we'll give her what she wants.
0: I told everybody on Twitter that the delay, the delay was my fault because I hadn't announced my vacation. So uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and um, it was a long day as soon as I woke up. I got the ruling. I read the ruling. I went on The Steph Miller Show. Then I started writing an emergency bonus episode of The Jack Podcast, which is out right now for free, wherever you get your podcasts, totally available to the public. Uh, And Andy McCabe and I go over that. We'll talk a little bit about it. uh, But we have so much news to get to today. In fact, we're going to have to do some quick hits. And to make a long story short, too late. All right. As I said, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled unanimously that Donald Trump does not have absolute presidential immunity and can be criminally prosecuted for his attempt to subvert the results of the 2020 election. They also ordered their mandate to publish Monday, not the normal 45 days or so. And that limits the amount of time Donald Trump has to appeal to the Supreme Court again tonight, right now uh, out Last night, actually, as you're listening to this show, there's a bonus episode of the Jack podcast where Andy McCabe and
2: I break it all down in detail, the full order. So please check that out. I cannot wait. Thank you, A.G. And next quick hit, James O'Keefe and his former organization, Project Veritas. They have settled a lawsuit filed by a Pennsylvania Postmaster after the group spread a Postal Service worker's false claims of voter fraud during the 2020 presidential election. (laughs) Uh huh. As part of that settlement, O'Keefe wrote Monday on Twitter that he had, quote, reported that election fraud had occurred in Erie, Pennsylvania during 2020 presidential election, saying the story was based on Richard Hopkins' claim that he had overheard Robert Weisenbach, the Erie postmaster, Direct another USPS supervisor to illegally backdate mail in ballots. Oh my God, I totally saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors. Uh, Mr. Hopkins has since come to learn that he was wrong. Neither Mr. Weisenbach nor any other USPS employee in Erie, Pennsylvania engaged in election fraud or any other wrongdoing related to mail in ballots. End quote. (laughs) He
0: had to go on Twitter as part of the settlement and post that bullshit retraction. (laughs) We were wrong. Oh, Jimmy, Ugh, we're going to see what's happened, what happens with that uh, Ashley Biden diary theft. Uh, also, Justice Angoron, who is getting ready to deliver a verdict in the New York Attorney General civil fraud trial, the three hundred and million one, one, the disgorgement one. Mm hmm. He has asked both parties in an email to brief him by today, Wednesday at 5 p.m. with everything they know about Allen Weisselberg's perjury charge negotiations with the Manhattan DA within the rules, obviously. Don't, of not don't, don't violate the rules by telling me stuff you're not supposed to tell me. He says he needs to know whether he can invoke something called falsus in uno, which means false in one thing. There's a full Latin phrase. It means false in one thing, false in all, right? And today on the Cleanup on Aisle 45 podcast that just dropped. Pete Struck and I interviewed Ben Mysalis of the Midas Touch Network about this. I brought up the possibility that Justice Angora now has to review all of Weiselberg's testimony and question it. So I had the same idea. There's a whole doctrine called the falsus in uno doctrine. I had no idea. It was a whole thing. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, there is, and, and you can listen to that. Uh, on Clean Up on L45, but we recorded that episode before this email came out. So you just check it out. I
2: think you'll enjoy it. All right. Thank you, AG. And Mitch McConnell essentially declared the border security foreign aid package dead on Tuesday, telling reporters, and I quote, we have no real chance here to make a law. Actually, you do. On Tuesday morning, he was still stumping for Ukraine aid on the floor. This is a complete 180 from his position just three hours earlier when he called for the Senate to pass the bill. In public remarks, President Biden said, if the bill fails, I want to be absolutely clear about something. I'll be taking this issue to the country. The American people are going to know the reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and quote. Then Donald Trump actually said he is to blame for sabotaging a deal on border so that he can campaign on the issue. He said, blame me, to which Biden replied, you got it. <laughs> I mean, it's, if it wasn't so fucking terrifying, it would be funny. <laughs> blame me Ugh. for Roe. I did that. Blame me for the border. I did
0: that. This is a very interesting uh, tactic. Yeah. Strategery. And after Representatives Buck and McClintock, two Republican representatives, say they were going to vote no on impeaching Mayorkas, the House had postponed further consideration of the resolution brought by Marjorie Taylor Greene. But then the House voted and three Republicans voted no. It was actually tied 215 to 215, but one of the Republicans changed their vote. So they lost. Uh, I mean, it dies anyway if it's tied. Uh, but they can bring it up again if if it's not tied. So one of them changed their vote. They lost. It's embarrassing. Oh, also, Hakeem Jeffries told the Democratic caucus he was going to vote no on the standalone Mike Johnson bill to fund only Israel. Uh, and the House just voted just a minute ago before we recorded this, and that bill also failed. Now, it needed to have two-thirds to pass because it couldn't even make it out of the Rules Committee. So two embarrassing
2: failures for the Republican House today. Not surprising. They can't get shit done. One of the least effective House of Representatives we have had in decades.
0: And they can't count. No. Uh, Like, we knew that McClintock
2: and Buck were going to vote no, and they went ahead and fucking voted anyway. Pelosi would have never let that happen. Pelosi didn't bring anything to the floor unless she knew she had the votes. Yeah, because I guess, you know, she doesn't have a weird...
0: Nazi branch of her caucus. (laughs)
2: Nazi, Nazi penis. (laughs) Exactly.
0: All right, those are the quick hits. Man, we still have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. From Selena Guevara at NBC, Jennifer Crumbly, that's the Michigan woman charged in connection with her son's deadly school shooting rampage in 2021. She was convicted Tuesday of involuntary manslaughter in this unprecedented case. The unanimous verdict came on the second day of jury deliberations in a landmark trial in which Crumbly became the first parent to be held criminally responsible for a mass shooting committed by their child. Crumbly, who's 45, was charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter, one for each of the victims in the attack at Oxford High School in November of 2021. Her son, Ethan, who's now 17, pled guilty as an adult to murder, terrorism and other crimes and was sentenced in December to life in prison without parole. Now she faces up to 15 years in prison per count and remains held on bond. She'll be sentenced on April 9th. Quote, it was very difficult. That's what one member of the jury said following the verdict quote, lives hung in the the balance, and we took that very seriously, they said. The juror went on to explain that the decision hinged in large part on who was the last adult to handle the weapon. Quote, the thing that really hammered at home was that she was the last adult with the gun. Now, the father of Justin Schilling, 17, one of the four victims in the school shooting, teared up, when the verdict was announced, and he later hugged Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald and members of her team and shook the hands of law enforcement officers who testified. Quote, we've been asking for accountability across the board, and this is one of the steps toward that. That's what Craig Schilling said outside the courtroom. He went on to say, I feel that moving forward is not going to be any easier because of what we left behind, but it gives us hope for a brighter future. The trial, which opened January 25th in Oakland County, Hit at themes of good parenting and gun safety and has come at a consequential moment in you in the U.S. when the drumbeat of school shootings have roiled communities like Uvalde, Texas, Nashville, Perry, Iowa, just day after day after day. And in an effort to determine to what extent a parent should be held accountable for the actions of their child, jurors in Oakland County examined more than 400 pieces of evidence including text messages and photos from Crumbly's cell phone and dramatic video of the shooting spree, which left many in the courtroom uh, obviously and understandably visibly shaken. The prosecution called more than 20 witnesses, including law enforcement and school staff. The defense brought in just one, the defendant herself. Now, to prove its case, the prosecution attempted to portray Crumbly as a neglectful mother who cared more about her hobbies and carrying on an extramarital affair than spending time with her son, Then, when she and her husband gifted their son a semi-automatic handgun in the days before the shooting, prosecutors pointed out that neither of them properly stored it. On the same day as the shooting, when the Crumblies were earlier summoned to the school because of a disturbing drawing of a gun made by their son, the parents did not tell school officials that he had access to a weapon. Now, Ethan would go on to kill four students, Schilling, Madison Baldwin, Tate Meyer, and Hannah St. Juliana. Uh, but uh, but Crumbley's defense lawyer, Shannon Smith, suggested it was James Crumbley who was specifically in charge of storing the weapon, and that the school knew Ethan was having trouble paying attention in class, but didn't fully inform Jennifer Crumbley. Smith had asked the jury during her closing argument to acquit her client, quote, not just for Jennifer Crumbley, but for every mother who's out there doing the best they can, who could easily be in her shoes. James Crumbley, 47, will stand trial next month on the same involuntary manslaughter charges. The judge in Crumbly's trial imposed a gag order that prevents the prosecution and defense from speaking publicly until after his trial is over. Jennifer Crumbly took the stand in her own defense. As I said, she testified her son was generally worried about his future after high school and was depressed, but that his mental health never alarmed her enough that she felt the need to seek a professional, you know, uh, to see a professional about it. But I think he was saying something about demons and hearing voices, uh, but she acknowledged that she could have taken him home on that day of the shooting but also didn't believe he was capable of committing such violence. And more than two years after the shooting, she told the jury she wouldn't have done anything differently. Wow. She said, I don't think I'm a failure as a parent. Now, Craig Schilling said the jury's decision shows how important it is for parents to be mindful of their children's needs. Uh, Gun safety groups echoed that verdict and that the verdict is a warning that parents can be held responsible. Quote, plain and simple, in the deadly shooting at Oxford High School in 2021, should have and could have been prevented had the Crumbleys not acquired a gun for their 15 year old son. That's Nick Saplina, senior vice president for law and policy at Every Town for Gun Safety. That's what he said in a statement. And he went on to say this decision is an important step uh, toward ensuring accountability and hopefully preventing future tragedies. So. Precedent setting precedent setting case today.
2: It really is. It is. Thank you, A.G. This one's from the Associated Press. Mississippi's state auditor filed court papers Monday, renewing his call for Brett Favre. You remember the story to repay the state for welfare money that the auditor says was improperly spent on projects backed by the retired NFL quarterback? Auditor Shad White's demand of nearly $730,000 from Favre is the latest twist in a long-running legal battle over money that was supposed to help some of the poorest people in one of the poorest states in the nation. Favre, as we know, pro football player, Hall of Fame member, he lives in Mississippi, filed lawsuits in February of 2023 accusing White and two national sportscasters of defaming him in public discussions about welfare misspending. White said in 2020 that Favre had improperly received $1.1 million in speaking fees from a nonprofit organization that spent, welfare, that spent welfare with approval from the Mississippi Department of Human Services. The money from the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program was to go toward a volleyball arena at the University of Southern Mississippi. Favre agreed to leave fundraising efforts for the facility at his alma mater, where his daughter started playing on the volleyball team in 2017. And I quote, Favre had no legal right to the possession or control of this $1.1 million. That's White's attorneys wrote that in the court filing Monday. Favre repaid $500,000 to the state in May of 2020 and $600,000 in October of 2021, but the new court filing said he still owes 729 million. $1,790 because interest caused growth in the original amount that he owed. And I quote, it boggles the mind that Mr. Favre could imagine he is entitled to the equivalent of any interest free loan of 1.1 million in taxpayer money, especially money intended for the benefit of the poor. Again, this is from the statement from white. And they said that on Monday, the Associated press left voice messages for two of Favre's attorneys Monday. Neither did immediately respond. In October, a federal judge dismissed Favre's defamation lawsuit against Shannon Sharp, who is also a former NFL player who's now a broadcaster. In May, Favre ended his lawsuit against sportscaster Pat McAfee, who was a former NFL punter, after McAfee apologized on air for statements that Favre had been, and I quote, stealing from poor people in Mississippi. Favre's defamation lawsuit against White is still pending, and White's uh, filing Monday was a counterclaim in that suit, Mississippi prosecutors have said millions of federal welfare dollars for low-income residents were squandered on projects ordered by wealthy or well-connected people from 2016 to 2019. This is three years of this. A lawsuit filed by the Department of Human Services in 2022 said that TANF money was improperly spent, including on projects FARV supported $5 million for the volleyball arena and $1.7 million toward development of a concussion treatment drug. Hmm. No criminal charges have been brought against Favre, although a former department director and other people have pleaded guilty to their part in this misspending or theft, if you will, in my opinion.
1: What about Brett Favre?
0: All right. Thanks for that reporting, my friend. Uh, And from Ryan Riley at NBC. We love Ryan Riley. Get his book, Sedition Hunters. A man who worked for the State Department as a diplomatic security officer was arrested by the FBI on Tuesday in D.C. in connection with the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Kevin Alstrup faces the same four misdemeanor charges that have typically been given to nonviolent January 6th participants who entered the Capitol during the attack Entering and remaining in a restricted building, disorderly and disruptive conduct, disorderly conduct, and unlawful picketing or parading. After Alstrup's email address popped up in a Google response to a government search warrant for devices that were inside the Capitol building on January 6th, the FBI researched Alstrup and obtained information that he was employed by the Department of State as a diplomatic security officer. In that role, FBI special agent wrote Alstrup would have been, quote, familiar with providing security and protection for high-ranking government officials or sensitive locations like embassies. Reached for comment, the State Department said it was aware of Alstrup's arrest, saying that, quote, he was third-party contractor providing uniformed officer services for the State Department. The FBI found posts that Alstrup made on social media showing outside the Capitol building on January 6th that he was there, which the FBI said illustrated the obvious presence of barriers outside the Capitol building, which marked the restricted area. Alstrup's supervisor confirmed his identification in photos from inside the Capitol, and the Bureau determined that he spent about 28 minutes in there, including in the crypt, which is a room in the center of the Capitol on the first floor. During his time inside the building, the FBI said that Alstrip was taking photos of other rioters entering and exiting the building through a broken window, and that alarms were audibly and continuously sounding as Capitol Police officers told rioters to leave and gestured for them to do so. After he left, Alstrip was picked up on body camera footage from an MPD officer. More than 1,250 people have been arrested in connection with the attack on the Capitol, and federal prosecutors have secured about 900 convictions online sleuths have identified hundreds more participants in the attack, and the statute of limitations expires in less than two years, early
2: 2026. Thanks so much, A.G., and this one's from Justin Rohrlich at the Daily Beast. In the fetid swamp of far-right politics, two names are infamous for having unleashed a torrent of particularly ludicrous stunts, lies, and scams. Among other things, Jacob Wool and Jack Berkman have lobbed phony sexual misconduct claims at former FBI director and Trump-era special counsel Robert Mueller. They've recruited a young Trump supporter to smear then-presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg as a rapist. They also floated a preposterous tale that Senator Elizabeth Warren was carrying on a kinky BDSM-imbued extramarital affair with a 24-year-old soldier later found to have exaggerated his service record. Do you remember that? That story was bananas. Yeah. Yeah. In 2022, the hapless Wool and Berkman pleaded guilty to felony charges that they targeted African-American voters with illegal robocalls to deter them from voting. They were fined more than $5 million and had to do community service to actually register voters in Black areas, as they should have. Now, one of the pair's targets is Fighting Back, a Marine veteran, an attorney claims his life fell apart after Wollen Berkman falsely tarred him in 2021 video as a child sex predator. That's according to an $11 million racketeering lawsuit obtained by the Daily Beast. Good for this guy. In the aftermath, the unidentified Maryland man was let go from his law firm, lost a paid internship at Johns Hopkins University, was thrown out by his landlord, and forced him into bankruptcy. This is all from the lawsuit. Oh my God. So Yeah, John Doe, end quotes, contends in the lawsuit that Wohl and his co-defendant, soon to be disbarred lawyer Jack Berkman, (laughs) caused irreparable harm by laying waste his reputation, wrecking his ability to earn a living and turning him into a critical casualty of their ongoing illegal scheme. Now, Doe, as they're calling him, who had previously been married, was single at the time, matched on Tinder with a 36-year-old mother in Gaithsburg, who was called herself Sarah. Okay, this is all according to the lawsuit. The two spoke a few times by phone before making a date to meet in real life, but John Doe did not use sexual language in these communications, nor were any pictures exchanged or solicited. Okay, this is again from the suit. But it goes on Sarah was in fact one of numerous quote false profiles of women that Wall and Berkman had created and placed on the dating site for their show. So when Doe showed up at Sarah's tidy two-story home on August 29, 2021, he was greeted at the door by a woman he believed was the woman he was expecting to meet, i.e. Sarah, who happened to be 36, that's what they said. And the lawsuit continued with all of this craziness. The woman whose real name is Anastasia according to the lawsuit, invited John Doe inside when he immediately realized that there were hidden cameras in the apartment, it says, noting that as Sarah went upstairs, Walt Berkman, and five other men surrounded him. One wore a tactical vest, another ballistic gloves, a third armed with a handgun blocked him from the front door. Could you imagine how fucking terrifying this was? (sighs) And this is a quote, thereafter, defendants Woll and Berkman, with cameras rolling and in a very aggressive manner, accused Doe of coming to the residence intending to have sex with an underage teen, claiming that Sarah was just 16. In response, explained repeatedly that he was coming to meet Sarah, age 36, after several minutes of heated discussion, John Doe stated that he would call the police because what they had done to him was wrong and illegal. Well, suddenly, Woll and Berkman changed their tune. This is all according to the lawsuit. And I quote In response, realizing that John Doe was telling them the truth and that they had engaged in wrongful and even potentially criminal conduct by entrapping him, Berkman reassured John Doe, stating as follows We're listening to your side of the story. We haven't done anything. We're just investigating. We stand persuaded this is just an innocent mix up. We're not using anything. Don't worry. This is over. You'll not hear anything about it again. We stand persuaded. It's an innocent mix-up. Thank you. Okay. Well, the man blocking the door stepped aside when Berkman said they wouldn't use the footage if John Doe promised not to report them to the cops. This is again on the lawsuit. Doe did contact the police, but quickly declined to press charges because of defendant Berkman's statement that they would not do anything with the footage if he did not go to the police, and also because he was not completely sure of their actual identity, which they refused to provide. So Doe also contacted the FBI, which told him he had done nothing wrong, again, all according to the lawsuit. However, Wolland Berkman fully reneged on their end of the deal, according to Doe's suit. Okay. February 16, 2022, a Predator DC episode titled, quote, Across the Border and Into eighteen Jesus, featured Doe, appeared on the pair's YouTube channel. It said, adding that Wall posted a press release to his website announcing the video. Hmm. This is after we're not going to do anything with the footage. Yeah, Doe finally went to court to get a protective order to force Wool and Berkman to remove the video from the internet, spending almost about $30,000 in legal fees to try and get this done. Mm -hmm. The operation was funded by Berkman and his lobbying firm, paying to rent, quote, Sarah's house on um, August 29th and underwriting equipment and crew expenses, all of that stuff. In addition to damage to his reputation, occupation, and quote, status as a former military officer, John Doe's suit says he also suffered severe emotional trauma because of defendant's wrongful conduct. Along the way, it states the bank demolished his credit as well, which will continue to damage his future professional opportunities as a lawyer, end quote. John Doe's requesting a jury trial an order for Wall and Berkman not to further distribute the video in question, as well as com- uh, com- compensatory and punitive damages. <laughs> Ready? $10,794,000 plus attorney's fees. And I fucking hope he gets every penny of this. Yeah, Good for him. That's what the fuck? Yeah. These two guys, I don't understand how they're not permanently behind bars. All of this <sighs> shit. It's so frustrating.
0: And the guy, one of the guys just now got disbarred. You know, like, I mean, I know that Wall is banned from securities, but, you know, that's his new hobby is seriously, is this? It's, it's, isn't he
2: the one whose dad is also a piece of shit? Is it, I think, I think they were scamming people to get, you know, I shouldn't say that because I'm not entirely sure that that's true, but I think Jacob Wall's dad is also a douche. I can't remember, but I mean, would be surprised but no
0: maybe he's a saint i don't know
2: that's true i'm gonna Um, look it up before we get sued by somebody
0: (laughs) but these two guys my god um yeah good good for this former marine officer that you know that he's suing i hope he wins like you said i hope he takes him to the cleaners all right, we have a lot of good news to get to. Thanks for hanging in with us today. I know we had a lot of news today. <laughs> it's been a big day. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to get to the good news in a minute. We just have to take a quick break. Stick around. We'll be right back.
1: After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah.
0: Hey, everybody, I'm excited to tell you about microdose. That's a growing revolution in wellness that is enjoyed by people from coast to coast, including myself. Microdosing uses minuscule amounts of THC to supercharge your well-being and spark creativity. It's added so many benefits to my life, and I know it can help you, too. Microdose sent me gummies so I could learn more about getting in the zone. You can try it too. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at Microdose.com and use promo code DailyBeans. These are available nationwide. Now, I rely on on Microdose for its subtle yet significant enhancement on my daily life. I love entry-level THC. It's my favorite kind of THC. A minimal dose is all it takes to lift my mood, make it easier to dive into my projects with really good focus. Focus. It helps me get into the zone while I'm exercising. It makes it easier to take care of my body in ways that it needs. It soothes anxiety. It eases muscle tension. It makes relaxation and living in the moment second nature. I don't have to try. And at night, it's my secret to drifting off effortlessly and staying asleep, ensuring I wake up rejuvenated. Microdose is my daily ally in achieving balanced, fulfilling lifestyle. I love it. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at Microdose.com. Promo code Daily Beans. It's available nationwide. That's Microdose.com. Promo code dailybeans for 30% off and free shipping. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good Who news. Likes good, news, then good, news good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play. What the Fark is in your ark? Any animal. Send it to us and we'll guess the color or the title of the animal. That's about the best we can do (laughs) because we failed so miserably at dog breeds. Although I'm still pretty good at horse breeds, but you
2: nailed that dog yesterday. We got the... Whoa, easy with your word salad there. Oh, easy with the interpretation, my comedian (laughs) friend. (laughs) Uh, someone's going to just pop it in the web, the podcast right in that moment. Dana nailed that dog yesterday. Yeah, J- Jacob Wool is going to take it, release it all over the internet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For you. Um but anyway, you you did really well in the what the mutt category. Thank you very much. Uh, If you have theses, titles, dissertation titles, stories about the VA, your good news stories about the VA. I love those. We also are really enjoying your student debt relief stories. If you have any, or if you know somebody who is experiencing student debt relief, send that to us. We want to hear about it. Um, What what else do we do? We do shout outs to yourself, your loved ones, small businesses, shit kids say, frog orgies, baby pictures, all of it. Send it to us, dailybeanspod.com and click On contact. Oh yeah, Toby Keith passed away today. So first up from Sarah, pronoun she and they. Notice how I just glossed right over that. (laughs)
2: Love the beans. I'm looking at the like I'm looking at like you and I'm like, do I? I don't say anything, right? I'm supposed to just okay let's yep we can keep going if you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all precisely just shout out to the dixie chicks all right sarah Pronouns: she and they
0: love the beans and you two lovely ladies thank you for all you do mostly thank you for the sweet intro song that gets my baby tipping t- tippy tapping whenever he hears it it's literally the cutest thing i've ever seen please accept his adorable little face as pod tax
2: oh. again
0: they might be giants magical for kids uh, I also want to give a massive shout out to a longtime friend, Nicole, on her very first Grammy win. Ooh, best jazz vocal album, indeed. Nice. I know she'll win plenty more in the future. Y'all are so cool. Sure, Look, it's awesome. This, this kid is adorable. Baby, what's he eating? Is that cake? I want it. I want that yep. cake. Oh, such
2: so, such a happy child. Look at the smile.
0: Oh, thank so you for sweet. sending that.
2: Second good news story. I was correct about Jacob Wall's father's name is David Wall, and he's a big stand for Elon Musk and Donald Trump. So <laughs> I remembered him being a really just he's a some sort of lawyer. Blech. Not that lawyers are bad. This one's bad. <laughs> All right, going on to the second submission. It's not about me. This is from Uncle Daryl. Pronouns he and him. My dear niece beans oh we have an uncle daryl i love that i'm a 65 year old corona retired college professor not illness just spiraling enrollment proud ally and a member of the class of 2015 at evergreen state in washington who listens to you amazing humans every day i bring good news to everyone everyone i've been yes i've been fighting in court over the guardianship of my 80 plus year old mother with dementia against her brother also in his 80s, he decided because he is more successful than I am, he would be a better decision maker for my mom. After a seven month battle of delays and nasty mudslinging toward me, I was finally appointed as mom's guardian, and her brother was reprimanded by the court for wasting their time. Mm-hmm. Rich folks don't always win. My pet tax is my sweet princess, Daisy Lou Who of Whoville. Daisy or Boo for short. Nothing but love for you all. And look at this pity oh, who just wants their chest rubbed. I want to rub that chimkin chest. So adorable.
0: Oh, Uncle Daryl, congratulations. Face. Yes, congratulations indeed. There's a second photo of the dog. It's yep. even more adorable.
2: Yeah. Sometimes the courts get it right. Hard to pick.
0: Yes. Rich folks don't always win. Congratulations. And what and how terrible, you know, to have to go through that bullshit with a family member. Oh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that, but I'm so glad that you prevailed. Next up, Simon and Andrea or Andrea. Good day, AG and DG. The good news is that since I have dual US and Aussie citizenship, my wife and I were able to pull the proverbial eject lever and can now watch the political craziness happening in the United States from a relatively safe distance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just about as far away from the United States as you can get. Podtax is a photo of Minnie the Moocher. You will guess her breed easily. So something more challenging might be for you to guess the weight of my best Ooh. mate. <laughs> hint. Sometimes she weighs more than all the dogs in the dog park combined. Oh, and then the, our producers just put the answer right there. I would not have guessed 160 pounds. I would have guessed something close. That is a
2: beautiful, I'm assuming that's a great mastiff.
0: Yeah, that's a big, giant, beautiful baby. And I love the brindle color and look, the drool for full effect because you can't have one of these big babies without a little, little string cannot. of drool. My dad used to say that there had because we and you know, we'd Pyrenees. He's like, there's got to be a way I can sell this as an industrial lubricant. <laughs> he's like, there has to be. So, thank you for that,
2: Simon and Andrea. All right. Um. So I just scanned to the photo in this next story. <laughs> I just want to know who was in the right place at the right time. This is from Mark Zed. Long time listener. I'm not sharing any good news per se. Just curious about how far your frog orgy obsession goes. Does it extend to other animals? Squirrels, maybe? I guess that all leads to the question of what qualifies as an orgy. And there is a photo of three squirrels in doggy style piling on each other in a tree. And... And it also there's like the branches are in the shape of a heart, and I don't know if anyone noticed that when they took the picture, <laughs> but there's definitely a squirrel orgy happening, and ever in in its love, it is the love squ- for all of them. The squirrel throuple, <laughs> that's adorable. Uh, what qualifies as an orgy? Can what? Let's Google it. Oh, Okay Um, I'm not doing that On my computer You should do that In the When in, when you have like Invisible mode It
0: or something. says A wild party Characterized by Excessive drinking And indiscriminate Sexual activity Or an instance Of excessive indulgence In a specified activity Like an orgy Of buying Yeah okay Okay Who's ever said Oh my god I had
2: an orgy At the store Five pairs of shoes How many people Needed For an orgy I love Google Sometimes <laughs> Yeah you're seeing How this Sausages made people.
0: Whether it's a common occurrence or a special occasion, an orgy is an event not to be missed. Categorized as sex between a group of four or more people, these play parties are a wonderful way to spend time with friends while enjoying some sensual fun. From who
2: wrote that? Orgy etiquette at the fulcrum. That's amazing. C A. Okay, I guess that makes sense because three people is a threesome. So after that, it's an orgy. Yeah, because a foursome is for golf. There you go. Uh,
0: All right. Well, there we go. Four more. Google saves the day.
2: Uh, Is it my turn? Yeah. It is your turn. Yeah. That was supposed to be a short one, but then we elongated it. (laughs) We elongated
0: it. All right. Uh, I'll take the next two. From Tom, no pronouns. Hi, diddly ho, queen beans. I'm a fairly new listener to your show. Thanks to my best good friend, Abby. And I wanted to let you know you fucking rock. I look forward to listening to your podcast daily and you've become one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Anyway, here's a picture of my cat, Loki. You can't see him because he's hiding. Okay. Cute. Tom, I love this because I have had cats who think they're hiding, but they are not. And this is a beautiful example with Loki. Thank you I for also that. I love that name. And yes, me too. And thank you for the very kind words and shout out to good friend, Abby.
2: I love it. All right. From Marcy
0: M. No pronouns. I told you I was going to take the next two. Oh, you know what? I stopped listening to apparently five minutes ago. You know, it happens to me every day. So don't even worry about it. (laughs) I just keep talking. All right, just do it, Marcy M. Uh, that's why when I go out on tour, I'm like, "Is this what people like? Actual people? Is this what this is like? Speaking <laughs> to humans?" From Marcy M. No pronouns. I volunteer for an organization called Random Acts of mm-hmm. Flowers. Awesome. We receive outdated flowers from grocery stores. Outdated is in quotes, right? Flowers have an expiration date. Who knew? Uh, we receive them from that wedding events, funerals, etc., and sort and make arrangements out of the best. These are delivered to healthcare facilities, veterans' homes, hospitals, assisted living facilities, Meals on Wheels, etc. Recipients and employees of the facilities are thrilled to receive them. Some say no one ever sent them flowers before we take donations of vases, ribbons, glass beads, anything that can be used in a flower arrangement. We compost unusable greenery and recycle glass and plastic, etc. Here's a picture of a recent arrangement. And this is such an incredible idea, Marcy. I love you for this. This is this is what this is what creative uh like media for the people by the people is about. Yeah um, getting creative like this to help others. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a book about how everybody can participate in media in the new media landscape and democratize it and rescue media by democratizing it because media needs to be for the people and by the people. And it doesn't have to be picking up a microphone and doing a podcast or anything like that. It can be something like this, these creative, beautiful ideas of, of recycling, you know, flowers and taking them to to people and making their day. I mean, that's just so incredible. We have a link to this uh, Random Acts of Flowers uh, organization in the show notes. It's RAFK. Excuse me, RAF Knoxville And here, look at this beautiful arrangement.
2: Gorgeous, absolutely oh. gorgeous. So brilliant, Marcy. Thank you for that. Okay, to close us out today, this is from Stacy Lynn, Pronounce she and her. Greetings, lovely leguma, leguma ladies. I appreciate you both so much, but today I'm writing to say thank you to some other people. A oh, huge fine. thank you to everyone who sends in good news. All of you <laughs> brighten my day so much. I love hearing about the happiness that still exists in this world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, perfect way to end it today. Stacey
0: Lynn, I agree. 100%. Thank you so much, everybody, for sending in your good news. Um, And, you know, if you have a creative way that you're helping to, you know, democratize the new media landscape, do good for others, all of that stuff, we want to hear from you. Send it in to us. These ideas, you know, can be picked up, spread around, shared. I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, I think it can be, I think it can spread. I think it can exponentially spread and make, make the world a better place. So thank you, thank you. Send everything to us, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. Any final thoughts today from you, my friend? No final thoughts today. All right. Well, everybody will be back in your ears tomorrow. Right now, go listen to that Jack episode about the immunity filing. It's uh, you know a great detailed breakdown. And by the way, it's exactly one minute, or excuse me, one hour, six minutes, and 21 seconds. One, six, 21. Ooh. Pretty interesting. I'm weird about numbers. I get a little, I get a little cue about numbers sometimes, but, uh, absolutely a uh, great episode and thanks again to andy mccabe for recording uh, recording it with me and also there's a new episode of Clean Up on all 45 until tomorrow please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet take care of your mental health take care of your family vote blue over q and take everyone you know with you i've been ag and i've been dg and them's the beans the daily beans is written and executive produced by allison gill with additional research and reporting by dana goldberg sound design and editing is by desiree mcfarland with art and web design by Joel reader with moxie design studios Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.
1: Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money